Houston Cougar fan favorite Marcus Sasser is in Detroit. And aside from a big coat, we're going to figure out what all he needs to be successful. You are Locked On Cougs, your daily podcast on the Houston Cougars, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to a crossover edition of Locked On Cougs and Pistons. I'm one of your hosts, Parker Ainsworth. I'm joined by Kukahil. Kuk, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, man. Appreciate you having me on. It's going to be an interesting episode. <laughs> I, I'm excited because, first of all, I'm you know an NBA fan at heart. You know, first love kind of stuff from back in the '90s, back when the Rockets were really good. And honestly, um, I'm excited to talk about Marcus because Marcus is kind of a fan favorite in Houston. Uh, to all Locked On Cougs folks at home, they want to hear about his year in Houston, his entire rookie season all the way throughout. I'm sure they'll be quick to go over and hit subscribe on Locked On Pistons as well. Um, but Ku, talk to me about what kinds of questions do you all have or do people have in general about Marcus Sasser in Detroit? Like, What kinds of things are people asking about? So there were a few questions that I had immediately about Marcus Sasser when they drafted him at 25. Um, so I'm not much of a college basketball guy. I don't get into college basketball until um, – or really, I don't get into college basketball by getting into scouting some guys when – I know where the Pistons are selecting. I look at the guys around that area. I start scouting some of those guys. So that's like what I do in the offseason. So I don't know much about college basketball, really. Um, so Sasser wasn't really on my radar at all. So when they drafted him, obviously the Pistons have quite a few guards. So my question immediately was, um, how much on ball does Marcus Sasser, like how much does he have of that in his is in his arsenal? When I say on ball, not so much just as an on ball score, but like running an offense, creating for others, playmaking or is he more of a off ball off ball kind of uh, guy who plays next to a guy who creates for the offense and so it, it kind of been interesting to watch that change over his career i would argue he's been successful doing both things in his earlier parts of his career um he played with like nate hinton and quentin grimes and had a lot more of the like traditional point guard type duties um, and that team like ended up in the final four, right? Quentin Grimes is obviously really good. And, and Nate Hinton had some sh- uh, shots in the pro. Um, they had a, a forward into Jean Giraud, who's been in out of the league a little bit, like at that fringe. Um, but I, I would say like, that was when you saw more of the, like, I'm going to run the offense and I'll shoot. You know, I think he had like eight points a game or like that one really his primary role. And then they added Jamal shed, who is a more traditional point guard and is one of the more highly touted point guards coming back to college basketball next season. Um, but he's like a six-one, more traditional, true point guard, right? And so Marcus then moved to the two guard. And it's not that Marcus is a giant, right? I think what they list him at six three, something like that. Um, but in the last couple of seasons, he's been a true two guard off the ball, um, running off the screens. He can in- initiate offense, right? If, if it's his turn to run the pick and roll or pick and pop or come across the double drag or what have you. But he really is more of a scorer in the last couple of seasons to the extent that Kelvin Sampson will ever have a true score, right? He's more of a, you know, evenly distributed kind of shots guy. But, um, and so I guess that would be kind of the, the way that that's been malleable or changed up over time. Um, I would say with how many creators Detroit has, and we'll get more into how he fits in exactly. I that's my question for you later. Um, he can be a guy that's more of a true off the ball shooter and score though, if need, I, I think that that's a fairly easy transition for him as a guy that shoots, you know, uh, 
what was it? His junior season, it was like 44, but he shoots over 38% from three, right? Yeah, and I saw a lot of stats uh, talking about how good of a catch-and-shoot three-point shooter he is um, and where he ranked amongst college basketball. I, I know it was pretty, pretty high uh, and that's in that regard as well. So um, that was the immediate question I had about him because, I, like we're going to talk about a little later, I wanted to find out where they were planning on fitting him um, in the backcourt. The other question I have uh, about Marcus Sasser is this. So he was a four-year college basketball player, and – He's 22 years old right now, and the Pistons are a really young team. Uh, he's already older than Jane Ivey, Cade Cunningham, Killian Hayes, uh, Jalen Duran. Like, he's already a lot older – not a lot older, but older than a lot of the Pistons' young guys. So, the other question I had was with them hiring Monty Williams and bringing in some – a little bit more vets, seeming like they want to try to win a little bit more this year. Him being a four-year guy, is he a guy that should be expected – um, as a four-year guy, 22-year-old, coming into the NBA that's ready now and ready to impact at the NBA level immediately. Because um, a lot of guys you see like early on that are younger, they're a little bit more like projects have to develop and, and, and stuff like that. If you stay in college longer, as someone who doesn't watch college basketball a lot, I'd assume that he's a player that you would say probably is more ready to impact at the NBA immediately. Do, do you think that's the case? Yeah, I think that honestly, yes, I, I do. I think that a year ago, he was tracking to be a first round end of first round draft pick after his junior season. Um, and, but he only ended up playing 12 games. He hurt his shoulder and he went to and did the, the combine stuff in uh, whatever that is in May and early June after his junior season and did the deal where like you get some notes and they send you back to college or they say you can go back to college, whatever. And, and he came back and worked on some things. I'd imagine had he been healthy his junior season the notes would have said, you know, your first round pick and come on. Um, but, you know, I guess he was a late first round pick this year. So maybe maybe I'm wrong there. But I I think he's ready to impact, though, because he's not going to be the liability on defense outside of being 6'2", 6'3", right? Because I guess in some degree in the NBA, that can make you a liability. But as far as being a 6'2", 6'3", kind of shooting guard, I, I don't know there's any other liability about him on defense. He's a very, very uh, tenacious defender. Like he's eager to get into passing lanes. Kelvin Sampson, head coach at Houston, is a big-time proponent of like defense first. You'll see them running. This is The Pistons fans might get this, but the, the Cougars fans are laughing with me. They run incredibly simple offensive sets for the first like six weeks of the year because they like don't practice it. <laughs> like, like, like They straight up, they're working on every type of pick-and-roll coverage, every type of pick-and-pop. They're ready for like all these different situations. They focus on defense so much that they don't really put in difficult or formal offense until late December. Sometimes I say that to say, like, I would imagine that makes him ready to like, you won't worry about him defensively as long as it's not a bad matchup for a six, three guy. Um, and I admittedly like, like Kate Cunningham's a point guard at six, six, right? Like, like a, there could be a bad matchup for a six, three guy out there, I guess. Right. So I guess my last question would be, do you believe he's actually six, three? Because watching him in summer league, he looked <laughs> he looked a lot to me to my eye he looked a lot smaller than six three. I, I I don't know if you guys feel the same way, but I I thought he looked smaller than six three. <laughs> well, um, the point guard Jamal Shedd I mentioned earlier he's lined up with at Houston is listed at six one on the same places where Marcus is listed at six three, and they look two inches apart. <laughs> that might mean Jamal Shad is not six one, but I do think they look about two inches apart. I, I think that Marcus has crazy long arms though, and so it does make up some. And so um, if he is six one and change or something like that, I don't, 
I know that it impacts it a whole lot. He he'll have trouble covering your six sevens because six seven is a lot taller than even six three, right? But um, he he might be fibbing a little bit there. That's fair. <laughs> now I, the reason why I ask is because when, after the Pistons drafted him, I went and talked with some of the draft people that I trust and asked, "Hey, uh, what's this guy about? Like, wh- why did he?" You know, go at 25 because a lot of people, as soon as the Pistons draft him, I saw a lot of people talking about how great he is as a shooter and a scorer and he can do all that stuff. So I'm like, okay, so why did he fall? And a lot of the things I got back was um, there were some concerns about how tall he is and how much he'll be able to impact as like an off-ball player, off-ball guard at his size. But kind of not to go too long into this, but I just thought like the immediate comparison I thought of a little bit better, a better scorer than this guy, but kind of the same role as like a Davion Mitchell with the Kings a guy who plays off ball with another guard, really good point of attack defender. And then Sasser, as you saw him score like 40 points in the final summer league game. And as a lot of your guys, uh, a lot of your listeners probably saw at Houston is probably a better scorer than, than you think Davion Mitchell is. So that's kind of like the, the comp I got uh, after listening. So I wonder if that's something that your listeners would, how they feel about me saying that. Davion Mitchell would be interesting um, in role for sure. Um, and I want to transition to the second segment a little bit and talk actually about that role. And I think we're going to get to cover both those things in that. We're going to get into Marcus Sasser's fit with those Detroit Pistons in the second segment. But first, Marcus Sasser's got a new job. So let's talk about other people getting new jobs. Because these days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. If you can find someone who can score 40 points at will in the summer league, go get that person for your team. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find qualified candidates that you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college. That's linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Um. But Davon Mitchell, I think, is interesting because his role is like he's not he's not like the star backcourt player in Sacramento by any stretch, right? But he is important to what they do. Um, I kind of always thought since watching Marcus uh, for four years now that he would be that kind of important even if he wasn't a starter. Like, like the way Fred Van Vliet used to be a six-man kind of guy in Toronto. Um admittedly, he's heading to Detroit where there are a lot of guards. You mentioned Cunningham, Ivy. I would count Asar Thompson as a guard. Um, I guess that's probably, you know, positionless basketball. Um, Killian Hayes, I kind of forget is on that roster. That's a lot of guys with G's next to their name that are admittedly all much bigger than Marcus Sasser. We talk about size and the matchup problems that could present. I don't, every team needs shooting, but where do you think that Marcus fits into that matrix because that is a lot of backcourt depth. It's 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 going to be incredibly interesting because I'm not sure how he's going to fit immediately, which is why, it, it, which is why when they immediately drafted him, there were some questions from some people in the Pistons community about okay, why why was this the pick? Because the Pistons' biggest weakness has been their wing room. I called it the worst wing room in the entire NBA this past season. Like I thought it was like. <laughs> It was really bad, and they went out there, and Asar is a playmaking type of wing. He can slide up. that kind of like the positionless basketball you were talking about. He can slide up from one, two, three to four. Um, but he's going to be playing the wing for the Pistons, so they got that there. Um, I thought if they once they traded up, I thought, okay, they're going to go after another wing. 
here to kind of fix up the wing room. So they went with another guard. And the immediate questions were, okay, how is he going to fit then? Because they got Cade, you got Jay and Ivy. You also had, at the time, Killian Hayes um, and Alec Burks. And then after they drafted Sasser, they then traded for Monty Morris, so, which adds another guard to the rotation. So now it's like, okay, you got Cade, Jaden, Killian, Burks, Monty, and Sasser. That's six guards right there. And all six of those guys want to play, want to play yeah. minutes. Um, Killian Hayes, I expect to be traded. Um, I'm higher on Killian Hayes. I'm a, one of those Killian Hayes believers, but I expect him to be moved. Um, to a different situation because I don't think he's going to be able to beat out any of the guys the Pistons have currently on the on the squad. And even if he did, you don't trade for Monty Morris to not play him. You don't keep Alec Burks to not play him. Um, so I don't I don't think anyone should be concerned about how Killian Hayes affects Marcus Sasser. I don't think he's going to be on the roster. And if he is, he'll just be deaf. Um, Sasser is going to be it, it's going to be tough for him to crack the rotation immediately. I think because of Caden Jaden obviously having the first two spots. And then bringing in Monty Morris, it, they wanted to get a backup point guard that brought some stability and steady leadership kind of role. And and Monty, I believe, averaged like .0 turnovers this past year. So he doesn't <laughs> turn the ball over a ton. He's not going to do anything flashy. He's not going to go out there and score 30 points or anything. But he's a good shooter. He's going to play efficient basketball. He's not going to do anything he can't do. He's just going to he's going to play the right way, whatever. Like he's not going to he's not going to be the reason why you lose a game, basically. So that's what they wanted versus what they had last year. So I figure that Sasser is going to be fighting with Burks for minutes. And what gets interesting with fighting with Burks for minutes is that I thought throughout the offseason that they were going to try to trade Burks and Boyan, uh, Boyan Bogdanovich, that is, um, to create room for guys that they want to get minutes. Because um, then you could trade like you could trade Bo- Burks and Boyan, maybe go get a starting four. And now you've got Stewart, Isaiah Stewart as the backup four. You got mints for Isaiah Livers at the three. Then you can play Sasser at the two and then Monty at one. Um, but it doesn't look like they actually are going to do that. So, I mean, they haven't done it thus far. And I assume that they probably aren't going to move off of them because they've been in the rumors about trading Boyan for, it feels like, over a year now. And they've yet to do it. So, I just assume they're just not going to. Um, so, without making a move, the only way I could see Sasser getting minutes out the gate is if he, like, outplays Burks. And I feel like that's going to be tough to do as a 22-year-old versus, like, where Burks is a really good vet that I think could play for, like, a contender off the bench, too. So, I mean, and then also it's positionless basketball, like you said, so it could get interesting. Maybe Monty runs out there, a, a Mont, or Monty Williams, that is. Maybe Monty Williams runs out Monty Morris, Burks, Sasser with uh, – Asar and 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 Dern or something. Maybe maybe we get some crazy lineups like that or something. But outside of that, it's going to be tough to see how he gets minutes initially without a trade happening somehow. Well, and Monty Williams adds an interesting element to this because in a vacuum, I think Monty Williams is a great coach for Marcus. Um, he's a, an older school guy, but uh, you know Marcus is a little more of a leader on the floor, and I think those guys will mesh well. M- uh, Monty is not afraid to play two small guards. We saw him do it with Chris uh, Paul and Devin Booker. Um, you know he's not afraid of those kinds of, like uh, having a shorter two guard like Book. Book's a little bit bigger than than Marcus, but um, it's just interesting. Like that, I think in a vacuum that's a good fit. But then I'm looking at the roster you're saying, and I'm like unless they move. I didn't know who they'd pair with Bogdanovich. I figured they have to pair somebody young with Bogdanovich to get him out of town. That's a pretty big price tag on uh, Boyan. Um, I I assumed that 
there'd be a like a kind of a, a like a crunch of minutes there. Um, talk to me. You're saying you're you're putting a lot of stock into Burks. Is Burke? I, I didn't. I wouldn't have known that as a non-Pistons guy. What's the what does Burks do well? And then are there things that now that you've seen Marcus play some summer league ball, are there things that Burks and Marcus like? Are they like the same player, different players, that kind of stuff? I, I so with Burks, I. I it's going to be tough for me to envision Sasser being better than Burks out the gate because, again, I think Burks is a player that if he wasn't on the Pistons, he could be playing for a contender off the bench and, and play a really good role. Um, this is a guy who is really good at drawing free throws. Really, really, He's really savvy and creative with the way he draws free throws, gets guys, defenders, and foul trouble. It makes it hard to guard him because he's always looking to fish like a foul onto like on a, a jump shot or coming off a pick and roll. He knows how to absorb contact and create that. So it kind of keeps defenders off balance. Another 41% three point shooter over the last three years, he shot 41% from deep. Um, and then in, in, in New York, he was playing some point guard. Now that's not what his role is. Uh, you don't want him really running point guard. It didn't look that great when he tried to do it in Detroit, but when he was playing off ball, he was fantastic for the Pistons. Um, I believe his on off splits as well. Offensively is the best on the team. I believe he has one of the best on-off uh, net ratings on the team as well. When he was on the floor, the Pistons were just better uh, with him on the floor because he he's a really good scorer, knows how to play, um, really good shooter as well, so he can play next to the Pistons' main ball handlers like a K, like a J and Ivy, provide that spacing while also providing some of that scoring as well while not being a complete liability defensively. Um, so I, I don't know. It's going to be – I feel like Sasser would basically be being asked to do the same thing uh, Burks does if he were to play, which is why I think Burks is his competition. I don't think he's competing with Monty. I don't think they want him running point guard. Uh, I think they have three options they'd rather have run like point, Cade, Burks, and then, or not Burks, Cade, uh, Monty, and if Killian Hayes is still on the team, I think Killian Hayes would probably do a better job of running the offense. But as a scorer, off ball guy, can provide that gravity and, and, and shooting for their main guys. Sasser could do it. I just don't think they're going to do it like over have him do it over Burks um, at his age too. Like if Burks was a little bit older, like 34, 35 or something, then you could maybe try to convince him in the, Hey, we're not going to play you. Uh, we just want you to be a veteran kind of guy. And then we'll move you in a few months to a contender. We want your veteran leadership. Maybe if he was towards the end of his career a little bit more, but Burks is more so still in his prime. He's only 32 and still playing really good. So I doubt he'd be willing to accept, less minutes for just another young guy. And also the Pistons hired Monty Williams. So I think that they're done with the, the, Hey, we're going to play a young guy because he's part of our future versus who's best. Who's the best guy to be put on the floor right now. Um, so I think I, I just, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough unless they get super creative with lineups and they could because Sasser provides that point of attack defensive ability and he doesn't need the ball in his hands offensively. He, he could provide that versatility, which does make it interesting. Um, but it, yeah, it's gonna. I guess that's the best word. It'll be interesting to see how Monty Williams decides to shake the rotation because it's not just the guard rotation that's crazy. It's like the whole whole <laughs> roster. Like you don't know what's going to go on. Well, and you mentioned that Burks is thirty two. That is ten years older than Sasser, so there could be some weighted out kind of aspect to it. I. It's interesting because like Detroit and then like you know Houston, like Rockets guys ourselves are like looking at this like they're kind of at the same like flipping that switch. Okay, we've done the rebuilding thing for a couple years. Now it's like, do you play the guy that's in his 30s and like, you know, expect to win, or do you take the lumps that come with developing the guy in the early 20s? Um, I'll be interested how they finagle that with Marcus back and forth. You know, Marcus's freshman year when they went to the Final Four, he did not start the year as a starter. 
and you know kind of worked his way in the lineup by midseason. Um, as a whole, right? You're talking about a guy that was like the 399th ranked recruit out of high school. Like he he is, uh, you know, notoriously a hardworking guy that's worked his way up. Um, but I want to transition to the final segment and talk some about what Detroit is looking at in the next season. Cause you mentioned, you know, you know, Cade's extension eligible fairly soon. I imagine uh, Monty Williams is a, a winning coach, not a development coach. It appears to be that kind of high, I guess, correct me if I'm wrong there. Um, what do you think the expectations are in Detroit? And then obviously as a Houston person, how does Sasser fit into those expectations or, or does a guy like Sasser fit in those expectations? Um, so before I answer, I do want to say this real quick. I should have mentioned this about Sasser. Um, one of the things that may get him onto the floor immediately, one of the main reasons why they draft him because they needed a point of attack defender. They have some good defenders when in killing Hayes, but I don't expect him to play. Um, but he's more of a, a off ball team defender. He can play point of attack, but he's more of a. I use my he uses his size against bigger guys, gets active in the passing lanes of rotations and stuff. But they've lacked like a point of attack guy to really lock down a, a, a dribble drives, and that's something that Sasser is going to be good at. So. If he's good enough in that department, if they're really suffering at the point of attack, that could get him on the floor instantly. So that could be his his best way to trying to separate himself from a Monty Morris, a Burks, uh, uh, or wherever else he slides in the rotation. That could be his best bet at, at really solidifying himself and separating himself. Um, but as far as upside and, and, and expectations for next year, I, I think that when you say expectations, my expectations for Sasser and the Pistons upside – would be that the Pistons trade Burks at the deadline or in December. That opens up minutes for Sasser. Um, and Sasser is able to step in, replace what Burks brings, and helps the Pistons try to win like 35 games. I think that would be like my expectations for Sasser. That's what I would do if I was the GM of the Pistons. I'd play Burks first few months of the season, then continue to show his value, then flip him for a few seconds, or maybe if you could somehow finagle a late round first or somehow. I don't think you can do that. But if you could get a few seconds from a contender for him, do that because you already have his replacement in the wings and then bring Sasser up halfway through the year when you feel like he's more ready. He understands the NBA a little bit more. You know, he's been able to practice against some guys and you bring him in halfway through the season. He plays well and he helps the Pistons have a really big jump from where they were last year, which was 17 wins. That would be my <laughs> expectations for. Yeah, it, it was tough. Um, <laughs> no, I'm sorry. Rockets were not much better. I don't mean to chuckle. I'm sorry. That was a very uh, knee jerky. But I, well, it was I, bad. It deserves everything. It deserves every kind of response. I would point out that Marcus has won a lot more than 17 games each year. He's been in college and they play a much shorter season. Like that was, that was where it's, I was knee jerking. It's, it's, no, it's tough. It, it, it was one of the worst, if not the worst season in Pistons history. It was, it was bad. It was bad. So, and Cade was out. So hopefully with Cade coming back and then some of the other improvements, the hope is that if Cade was actually playing this past season, Obviously, they wouldn't have won 17 games. Maybe they would have won like 22 games or something. Maybe K would have been worth five wins. So now a jump from 22 to 34 isn't doubling your win total. It's just it's just like a 10, 10 to 11 game increase, right? So that's like the hope. Um, I think Sasser can contribute to that if they move off of Burks um, because I do think his point of attack defense could be needed desperately in a team that needs defense. Their defense last year made me want to puke. It was bad. Um so I think he could help in that department, but they have to move off of Burks. Um, and then the overall upside for the Pistons is I think they could potentially fight for a playing spot if everything broke right. 
Um, but it would like everything would have to break right for them to do that, I think. Um, because a lot of the teams in the Easter conference that were expected to maybe blow it up and, and kind of restart did not do so. Um, and a lot of the young teams at the bottom of the conference are kind of in the same spot as the Pistons and will be battling the same kind of thing. So um, I think their highest ceiling is fighting for the play-in, um, but I expect them to be around 33 to 35 wins. I think that would be a really good season. I think Sasser could help them do it if they move off of Burks. I, I After watching him in summer league, I'm not as high on his on his ability to read a defense and make like the right pass out of it, but him as a scorer, he creates a lot of separation on his dribble moves in isolation. He knows how to create separation really well on his step backs, his side steps, his 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 uh his his uh what's the word I'm looking for? I I, I forget the move, but he's a very basically he's a very creative isolated player. Um, in the summer league, he didn't have any problem creating separation for himself to score. It was just a matter of whether he was hitting the shots or not. And then in the final game, you saw he was finally hitting the shots. And it was like, oh, this dude's way too good for summer league. It's just like he's way, way too good for this. So I think that there's a role for him that can help the team immediately. It just, are they going to move off of Burks or not? That's that's my only hang up. Well, and I would encourage other Locked On Kooks fans to check in to Locked On Pistons, especially when Marcus is playing well. And it's it's a, it's a good listen. I listened to the one right after he had 41 points, and so I kind of know this story. But for the listener at home and my audience that doesn't know this story, tell us about your reaction to him scoring 41 points because that's kind of a funny evening. <laughs> so, like... So it was the final game of summer league. I see that Sar is not playing, and one of my one of my friends is a is a assistant coach in my old high school that I graduated from. So he gets to open up the gym, and for all of us, and we go off and we play pickup together. So I see a Sar is not playing. I see a lot of dudes aren't playing. I'm like, you know what? It's it's summer league. Sar is like the the you know the ticket whatever. It's the last game of the, the summer league. People aren't going to be playing in this. I'm not interested. I, and to be fair, Marcus had not shot the ball well to that point. Right. So yeah, it's not he, like you're, not, you're looking for him either. Right. So I was like, you know what? If anything happens, I can just rewatch some stuff when I get home if it really is like something else happens or whatever. But I'm going to go hoop. So I go and hoop. I'm playing pickup, whatever. I come to my phone after uh, after we're done playing. I, I tweet out like, okay, what is there anything happening in like the Pistons game? Like, did anything <laughs> like, did, did I miss anything? I just start getting spammed. Sasser has 35 right now. Oh, no, he just hit another three. He has 40. He has 41. I'm like, bro, what? Like, what did I just miss? Of course. I, the one time I don't watch a game, summer league game, I'm, I watch every game. I watch everything. Summer league game, I think I can take off. It's the final summer league. I can go have, you know, a little fun time with the boys. I find I miss a 40-piece from, from Sasser. Everyone's just spamming me with uh, just- <laughs> Sasser's balling. Sasser's going crazy. <laughs> That hey, did I miss anything? <laughs> and, and, and boy, did I miss something! I missed a pretty big thing. The crazy thing is too is that at halftime of that game, like we, it was in between a game on a, a one of our pickup games. So I tweet out, I, I go and look, and I was like, "Doesn't look like I'm missing too much." Um, hopefully, you know something happens. Blah blah. blah I'm gonna go back to this pickup session, and I come back to that tweet a little bit later. When I came back after the pickup session, they were like. Hey, from now on, tweet like negative stuff and like tweet that like things aren't going right from now on. Because as soon as you tweeted that, Sasser like basically did not miss in the second half. I think he went <laughs> ten of eleven in the second half, made every almost every shot he took. It was just like I went back and watched obviously every shot he took, um, because he was the only one on the floor I was really too interested in at that point. So I went back and like followed each shot attempt, each possession. He had the ball in his hands, and he was on fire the second half. He didn't even start off shooting well either. I think he started off two of seven in the game and then just like like 
turned into like the human torch in the second half. Like it was crazy. Um, but <laughs> it was it was cool to see because throughout the summer league, he wasn't hitting his shots, but he was creating separation in a lot of them. You can see how he, he's a good I think he's gonna be a good isolate isolation scorer. Um, I really like the separation he gets. Um, but he just wasn't hitting shots. So you saw that stuff. Um, but once he started hitting shots, it was like all, that's all that was missing. Once he started hitting, it was like, yeah, this dude's too good for summer league. Like it's, he was playing with them in the second half of that game. Like it was just <laughs> like, it was, it was bad. It, well, it, it, it's going to be a ton of fun. I hope he does that a couple more times. I mean, 40 pieces would be nice on Marcus Sasser. <laughs> I'm Parker Ainsworth. That's Cookie Hill. You can find me at Painsworth 512. It's P-A-I-N-S-W-R-T-H 512. Uh, Cookie Hill is just first name, sec- last name, right? All together on Twitter. Um, I got to ask. I'm trying to find things that are not Twitter. What else are you on these days? Um, really, at, to be honest, it really is just Twitter. I'd be on Twitter at Cuckoo Hill and then on YouTube at Lockdown Pistons. That's really it. Um, I know I probably should change that with, you know, what what's going on with Twitter. They might be going down in the dump soon, so I might have to change that up. But as of right now, that's all I'm at. We're still calling it Twitter, though. So that's what we're- <laughs> yeah, I'm not calling it X. What is it? What, X? Is that what you yeah. call it? Like no, we're, call it we're calling it Twitter. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, everybody. We say go, go, kooks, go, kooks. <laughs> All right. Now, we did say for the hashtag everyday, if you're throwing in questions in the comment section down below as a hashtag everyday, and you put that in there, we will try to address them uh, as best we can at the end of the show. Obviously, in a crossover, the third segment's kind of between both Ku and I. And thanks again to Ku for coming on. But I wanted to answer one question from DPG550. He asked if I could pick one non-Texas and non-Big 12 team from every conference to play every year. Who would it be? Um, I'm going to talk, talk mostly about the Power 5 conference, but he listed a bunch of them. In the ACC, the team I would like to play, I think selfishly, I go to like North Carolina Duke in basketball, but I want to play Miami in football because I love those Miami teams. I'd love to get something brewing between those two. And you have the state of Miami idea. I think Houston can kind of build the same thing. That could be really, really fun. Obviously, American, old rivalries. You could do SMU or Memphis, either one. Kind of keep those things going. Um, Independence, the only one I could think of would be Notre Dame. That's the only one I'm really strongly leaning towards. In the Pac-12 or what's left of it, (laughs) um, I I think it'd be fun to, uh, on a road trip, like, aspect go to the big go out to like the bay area and play stanford or cal from a more football perspective i want to go beat deon sanders so until they join the big 12 i want to go beat deon sanders in the pac-12 sec i'm assuming we're not talking texas and oklahoma in the sec um because obviously that would be the play um a&m i think for a regional ever would be fun but i want to play lsu i think lsu is a fun program to get to go play and beat um that would be the program in the sec i'd want to go play if you have comments down below and you've gotten this far in the episode tell us what you've got the other uh Every day or hashtag every day, I want to comment and shout out because he comments on a lot of episodes. They're not usually questions. So I don't usually get back to him on this kind of platform. But uh, Ross Sosa, R-A-S-S-O-S-A, Ross Sosa, uh, always watching, always commenting. Thank you for tuning in each and every. Thank you so much. Thank you to everyone for tuning in today and every day. Remember to respond with hashtag every day or down below. And we'll do our best we can to answer your questions. And as always, Lockdown Cooks, the primary Lockdown Podcast Network. That means your team every day. Go Cougs.